to Acts chapter 17, beginning verse 22 through 31. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord, in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising Him from the dead. His name is Jesus. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Be to God. Amen. You may be seated. If I can pull this out of here, we'll turn the mic on my shirt. There we go. Last couple of weeks we talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2, the transformation. And when we hear that passage, and I want to share it with you uh, once again, I want you to listen to it and, and tell me if you think it makes you feel convicted, confident that what you're doing is on course, or that you need to make some changes, or, or you, when you hear it and you read it, you go, yeah, that's me, that's what's happening. So, hear, hear these words from Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Doesn't sound pleasant if you don't like it. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And when you hear that, do you sound a joyful sound in your heart going, yes, I'm a living sacrifice, I'm being transformed, God's doing a work in me? Or are you going, a living sacrifice, that's asking too much. Does it sound like a death knell to your old self and ways of life? Or does it sound like, yeah, I moved beyond that, I'm in the relationship with Jesus Christ I need to be in. Many people miss the relationship with Jesus because they don't understand that it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. The half of which has never yet been told. There's an old hymn that says that. Are you missing the joy 
in the relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you missing the peace that passes understanding and the calm, quiet assurance that no matter what happens, God's got this? It's a good question. And I've heard a couple of sayings over the years and both are kind of similar. But one I heard when I was a kid, and uh, maybe you heard this one before, it's, what you don't know won't hurt you. You've heard that? Well, there's another one that, or, or that it can't hurt you. depends on how you heard it. And uh, another one I heard more recently was when I was training to be a salesperson. And um, one of the biggest hang-ups for salesmen was uh, what you don't know can bother you because you don't know what you don't know. And so you think about what you don't know that's making you miss the mark. You ever thought like that? Maybe I'm just missing something. I just don't know what it is. So I don't know what I don't know. And since I don't, I know that I don't know it, then I must be... I used to be like that as a, as a youngster. Maybe you think this way uh, in your life and maybe still today. But I used to think like this. I'm missing something because I don't know what it is. But if I knew what it was, then I'd be more confident. I'd be more courageous with life. I'd believe in God better. I tried for years to get saved. But there was something I didn't know. I couldn't make it happen. And so I was thinking there was something about God or getting saved that I didn't know what was. You know, I was going, yeah, I want to be saved. Every time the altar, I couldn't, and for some reason, I just shut down. Go up there and pray and nothing would happen to me. Until it happened. When it happened, it was like, oh, that's different. <laughs> yeah, that was a good thing. <laughs> that was a great thing. But the reason I say that is because a lot of times we get held back by what we think we don't know because we think we need to know it before we can make a decision. Like this. Well, I, I, I need to go and do something for God, but I'm not sure what it is. I don't know what it is. But I know there's something. But since I don't know, I can't do it. But God doesn't work like that. God works like this. Do something. Do something for me. Be a living sacrifice. And let your mind be transformed. And sometimes we want to go do something rather than letting God work something into us and work some other junk out. And that's a problem. But it's also true because we miss a lot when we miss the key of the Gospel. And this morning I'm going to share with you what that is. I'm going to share with you what you don't know. And you think you don't know it. Is that funny? Well, it comes out of this book of Acts. This chapter I just read these verses from. And Paul is in Athens. Athens was well known at that time for a city of knowledge. They were all about the latest and greatest wisdom. Religion, physics, <coughs> you name it. Philosophy. And everything that they learned about they would build a god to it. They had a whole bunch of gods all around it. Stone, uh, what do you call it? Uh, temples for these different gods. And, and because they were certain that there might be something they don't know yet, they built another one that said, to the unknown god. We don't want to offend him, was the reason. 
So since we don't know Him and we're not worshiping Him, let's build Him an altar and worship this God we don't know so that what we don't know won't hurt us. <laughs> kind of a weird logic, right? But we all think it's kind of circular at times like that. But this is what they were doing. But I have to tell you something. You may not know God the way you need to know God. He may be unknown to you. And this morning I'm going to ask you to take a look at that relationship real close. Why? Because I'm afraid that you may have an unknown God that you're not worshiping. Now, the folks at Athens were wise people. They sought truth. They wanted their lives to be better. They figured wisdom was power. I know this thing and therefore I'm better than you. This was their attitude. People would come to town and if they knew something they didn't, they'd go, I better learn it so I don't look stupid. Can you imagine how overwhelming it would be that someone else would come with an idea and you had to learn it so you didn't feel bad? That if you knew there was something new coming along and you were not on the trend with the phase or the fad of that, that you were in trouble? The Apostle Paul said, I'm your guy if you like thinking like that. He stood there in Oropagus, which is a, a huge place. You can see all the columns. It was kind of like an overlook of all the columns of the temples out there. And he said, I perceive you are wise people. Very religious and devoted people. And you want to learn and be after knowledge. And he said, you even have this uh, monument to an unknown God. And he said, this is the one I want to talk to you about because you don't know Him. Well, that hurt their ears up. Right? Something we don't know and this guy does. Let's listen to this guy and see if he tickles our ears. What's he going to say? So they met with him in the Oropagus and Paul began to talk to him about it. They're afraid of what they don't know because they were missing something. And when he began to share with them that this God doesn't dwell where you built that monument. He built us as people that He would dwell in us. He doesn't need anything from us. And then He says, we are the offspring of God. And therefore, we need to learn about ourselves and who we are in God. Because in Him, we live, move, and have our being. And it begins to talk about the history of God and of Jesus Christ. The One who ushered in the knowledge of this God. <laughs> and here is the problem with Athens. They were hungry for the knowledge of God, but He also commands repentance. This is what we miss when we're looking after to know Jesus Christ. It can't be found but by repentance and submission to His authority. When we hear that, and we don't believe in Him, it sounds like a bad situation. I don't want to do that. I don't want to submit to anybody. I want to run my own life. But we all worship something. 
We don't worship ourselves. Some people think they do, but they really don't. Here's a fact. Unless your relationship with Jesus changes your thinking, your heart and your life, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, and also changes what you do, you have an unknown God. You don't know Him yet. You say, well, uh, what do you mean? Because the relationship with Jesus Christ, He enters into you and begins to transform you. He begins to renew your mind and give you a new heart. If you're the same person after you had the experience with Jesus Christ, you may not know what He's trying to do to you and you may not know that relationship yet. Your priorities should change. If your relationship with Jesus Christ is an imposition on your life and your habits and your lifestyle, you have an unknown God. Knowing Jesus is a joyous celebration of what God's done for you that you couldn't do for yourself. This is a difficult concept to just have knowledge of because it sounds unfair. Let me ask you this question. Do you have a transformation that you could not make happen or find in a nugget of wisdom that God has done that you know God did? A few weeks ago, a man came up to me. He said he had been on fire for God for several months. Gotten off all the bad stuff he'd been doing. And he started to drift away. Stopped going to his meetings for AA, NA, and Celebrate. Um, stopped praying. Stopped going to church. Stopped reading his Bible. And drifted away and all the other stuff came back. And, and he was broken. And here's what he said. I've failed God. I'm not worthy for Him to have me as His child. I'm broken. And I'm useless. You know what I said to him? That's the criteria for God. Not for the reason for Him to reject you. You never come to God on your own merit or worth. You come broken. And He redeems and restores you. This is God's job. To make us holy people. From a broken people. We can't do that. It's impossible for you to create relationship with God on what you do or your own worth. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ shed on Calvary that invites you into relationship that transforms you from a broken person to a restored person. Your situation can change because of God. There are people who feel hopeless like life can't get better. And I've been there. I remember the day in April of 2000 when I was broken. Long after I've been saved, but I was broken. A lot of bad stuff happened. I was homeless. I wasn't allowed to see my family. Jobless. I was in a state I'd never lived in before and didn't intend to live there. And depressed. All that piled into one. 
And here's what I told God. I said, God, I'm a worthless man to you. I can't hold a decent job. I will not ever be able to look people straight in the face because of what they think about me. I can do nothing to fix it, and I gave up. And then I said this, God, if you cannot help me, if you cannot change this situation, if you cannot mold me and use me for your purposes, what point is there for me to be around still? And so I said, God, if you can't, and I believe you could, if you won't, and I didn't know if he would, and if you have no use for me, then let me depart this world. I was broken. I had given up on me and anything I could ever do for God. Maybe you've never been there before where you felt like there's nothing left for me. And there's nothing left for me to do that makes any sense or difference anymore. And you feel like the world is against you. Maybe you've never been there, but I have. And in that moment, I knew if any restoration was happening, it wasn't by this man. Because this man gave up. If there was going to be any healing, any transformation of any life through any effort I would do, it was up to God from that point forward because I knew I could not. <laughs> that transformation of the thinking that I could do something for God to say I can do nothing without God is what I needed to go through. Jesus Himself says, I can do nothing without my Father. Apart from Him, I can do nothing. Have you ever thought like that? That without God you can achieve nothing in this world. But with Him you can do all things. Through Christ. Who will strengthen you to do them. Or have you felt like this? I'm doing all I can for God and God's going to use me in great ways because I'm doing what I can and God must be pleased with me. You haven't been broken yet then. You haven't got the transformation that God doesn't need you. But God can use a surrendered soul. And it wasn't until about six months after that day when I said those things that I told God, I want to find out what you can do with one man whose whole life is devoted to you. I want to see what you can do with that. I haven't made it yet. I'm still selfish. Still get in my own way, in God's way. But I'm telling you, that kind of prayer God wants to answer. God, what can you do with me if I give all I am to you? Most folks think that doing God's work is an imposition on their life. Or that a relationship with Jesus is going to destroy all the good stuff they got. <laughs> we have nothing good without God. Nothing. So when I told that young man that he doesn't really know Jesus because if you can give up on him, 
and stop praying and having fellowship with Him and choose something else over Him, you don't know who He is yet. Because nothing else will satisfy your soul. Nothing else will give you peace in your heart. You can have all the world's gold and treasures and riches and relationships, but you still won't find peace or joy. And if you don't understand that, you have an unknown God. His name is Jesus. Because Jesus transforms that. If you can look at someone else and say, man, I will never associate with that person or that kind of people, you have an unknown God because God hasn't transformed your heart and your mind about all who are broken need grace. There is no unredeemable soul and every soul that is, seems to be rejectable by society is the first one that God wants to bring home. Not the last. He sees the first to be last and the last thought of be the first in His kingdom. Are you kingdom minded? So what about you? Has Romans 12, 1 and 2 sounded like a burden or a joy? Are you serving something other than Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father? It's not too late for you. Let's set this back and be good. Let's set it to good. For who you don't know can hurt you. And you need to know who you don't know if you don't know this kind of relationship with Christ. You see, if your belief doesn't have validity, and I mean validity as in you paid the price. Something died. You lost something. A hurt. A brokenness. Something that you needed restored. If you haven't had that touch from God that says, I'm different now because He did this and I knew it couldn't happen any other way. If you don't have validity, a substantial experience that gives you the guts to go through a storm when nothing else makes sense to go through it. When you're willing to stand up for God when nobody else is because you know what you got is real and not just an idea about something that should be helpful later. It's something that you know is real every second of your life so when the storms of life come crashing you can say... I know this looks bad, but i got a God bigger than this because I know what He did before. And I trust Him. I don't trust an idea. I don't trust a concept or something that sounds good to my ears. I trust what has touched me. What has made a difference in my life. Have you experienced the validation of your faith that says, this is true regardless of what happens to me? Otherwise, your testimony and your stories ring hollow that they're not God is using me today. They're, this is what God did 15 years ago in my life. God wants to use you today. But you have to know that kind of God who says you have been empowered and enabled to be the Gospel to every person you meet. Every single soul. God has brought in contact with you to show the love of God to them. Do you refuse? Because you don't think you should. Because it's risky. Your story rings hollow if you make excuses and say the will of God is an imposition on your day. I'm too busy, God. 
God might say, I'm too busy then to bring you home in the last day. God says the same measure you judge Him, He will use to judge you. Don't have time. God will say, I don't have time for you. How was that? Do you want that? If your belief doesn't have validity, it will ring hollow when your back is against the wall. And serving God will remain as an imposition until you've entered the loving relationship of Jesus Christ and know Him. I know Him. He was there with me when I was broken and He brought me out of that hole and brought me a restoration. And when I come to communion, I come because I'm thankful. Because He did for me what I could not do for myself. I have joy because He loves me. And He will never ever leave me or forsake me. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I've had lots of them, but Jesus never leaves or forsakes. He never steals things. He brings things and blesses me with gifts and love and celebrates that I am His child. He has joy over me. He loves me so much that He grafted me into Himself. He is a vine, I am a branch. But He brought me to be a branch when I was nothing but a weed. I now can celebrate. Do you have peace? Even when your mind and emotions are swirling. Is there something inside that says, this is temporary. This is a situation, but situations change. That this won't be eternal, but God is, and I am too. You have folks you're praying for that don't know Christ. That break your heart because they don't have a relationship. Are you praying that this church can expand its ministry to those 400 we've talked about many times? Is your heart broken over those things? Is your heart going, God, show me somebody. Please, let me have value in your kingdom. Show me somebody I can bring home. Please. Transform me, God. I really want to do what you want me to do. I don't know how to do it. That's the best prayer you can ever pray. God, transform me. I want to do for you what you ask me. I have three things on the screen. I'm going to ask Glenn to put them up for you. The things I just mentioned. It's joy, peace, and people you love who are lost. You don't know who Christ is and who are lost and alone without God in this world. Those three things. If you have the joy and you read Romans 12, you go, thank God I'm learning the will of God and I'm getting transformed. <laughs> I'm starting to be a sacrifice for God. I used to be stubborn and resistant, but every day I'm asking God to sacrifice me on His altar and I'll do whatever, whatever. I'm not going to fight and resist him or complain because I know He knows better than me. Oh, wait a minute. We do sometimes fight and sometimes you do. But it's a process. We don't get it perfect. We grow over time. So there's a joy that should be there. There should be a peace somewhere deep inside that makes you just go, it's going to be okay. Even if this doesn't work out, it's going to be okay. It's a peace that makes no sense to anybody else that you would have. Peace in that situation. 
And I'm sure you've seen folks who love God going through crazy stuff and calm about it. You can't self-generate that. You can live in denial and do it, but you can't self-generate God's peace. And a lot of us know people who don't know God. Who are serving an unknown God. I pray this morning it's not you. That your life is being transformed. And your mind being renewed. And that you're more than joyful to say, God, I am yours. Use me as you will. So when we commune this morning, I ask that you have those three things. I'm going to leave them up on the screen for you to think about. If you've got the joy celebrated in communion, if you've got the peace, pass the peace to others. And pray for those who are broken still. Those are the ones that need God. Just like that young man. I prayed with him. And I said, God, sometimes it's hard to walk this life. We think other things are more important. We lose sight of you. And it never works. But we still try. But tonight we come back to you. Ask you to put us back on your molding plate. And remold us. Transform our lives. Transform the way we live for you. Because we just can't quite do it without you. I want that for you. I really do. If I could give it to you, I would. I can only tell you that God can. Because I can't. Just like I couldn't save myself when I was homeless. I can't save you now. If I could, we'd all be out on fire for God bringing more people in every week. We wouldn't have enough room here. But I can't do that. Only God can. And it comes from God you can know. Who's closer than brother. Who live in you and pour spirit in you and empower you to be like his child, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father. I know that day you brought me out of that pit. From that day forward, I didn't think I was going to be alive any longer. So I know I'm living on borrowed time. 